Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, Portland listeners. I would love to see you at the Oh My Dollar book release party for Get Your Money Together, a cat-filled illustrated book about getting your personal finance sorted. You can enjoy cat-themed activities and snacks, win cool prizes, and hear a short live show on May 17th at 5.30 p.m. at Outlet PDX, located at 2500 Northeast Sandy Boulevard. RSVP at ohmydollar.com slash booklaunch. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here, we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. Here's your host, Lillian Kerbake. That was your producer, Will Romy. Let's talk about money. So, Will, I want to talk about something that I feel like is hot on the tongues of almost everyone I know. I can't count the number of emails that I get every week asking if it makes sense to buy a house. Oh, yeah. And there's always some sort of trade-off. Like, should I buy a house now or should I save for retirement? Should I buy a house now or should I pay off my student loans? Should I buy a house now or should I build up a really big emergency fund? Should I buy a house now or should I travel the world? And I get so many emails where the folks writing them frame them in really panicked tones. Like this is a super urgent decision that they need to make. Yeah. Well, it's uh, a big, it's a huge purchase. It's totally a huge purchase. Um, the I guess the good news is that it doesn't need to be a rushed decision though, right? Like it's a big purchase and you should have a healthy degree of skepticism and you should really go into the purchase with your head firmly on your shoulders and you should understand that like you're making a six-figure financial decision um unless you're somewhere where it unless you're in upstate new york yeah unless you're somewhere (laughs) where it's really cheap but in portland like you might be making a half a million dollar decision if you're looking to buy a house in the portland market and there's a lot of fear and FOMO, like fear of missing out that drives a lot of these emails I get. You know, I got I got one that was um, a couple days ago. And essentially, this person was like, I'm just so worried that rent is going up so much in Portland. And I'm so terrified about home prices. And I feel like if we can get in now, then maybe we'll be able, you know, we won't miss our chance to be able to afford it. And like, the rest of our lives will just be rent will just be going up and up. And if we don't buy now, we won't be able to buy a home. Oh, so I think there's some sort of closing window. Yeah, got to buy a house. in. first of all, you know, Portland is kind of the exception of the rule as far as how much home prices have been going up. Like that's not normal across the country right now. Mm-hmm. But the good news is that the bubble seems to be actually kind of ending and what i will also say is that like a lot of people made this mistake (laughs) in the early 2000s and this sort of feeling that like home prices will always only go up and that it was always a good investment to do it and like internet stocks yeah exactly (laughs) and that you should get in on it and all of the evidence points to the fact that home prices really rise overall around the price of inflation which is just how much money goes Mm -hmm. up by time passing and that like If you see rapid valuation happening in a particular market, that probably means it's a bubble. (laughs) (laughs) And you know when the worst time to get into a bubble is? 
Uh, when it's a big old bubble. Yeah. When it's ripe. <laughs> yeah. It turns out that like 2007 was a terrible time to buy a house. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and 2008 was actually an excellent time after the economy crashed um, because houses, the bubble popped and houses got really cheap. And I also see a lot of people being like, interest rates are so low right now. I have to buy right now because interest rates are going up and up and up. And like, yes. Right now, interest rates are a lot lower than they were, you know, 10 years ago. Um, But that being said, like, if you look at the past 60 years of interest rates, yes, they go up and down over over a couple years, but they've been dropping overall. You used to pay 20% interest on a house. Oh, wow. So, so in the generational sense, there is no better time with regards to interest rates than to buy a house right now, right now being any time in the, you know, this decade. So... Getting caught up in the month-to-month interest rates reports, trying to play the market is not necessarily a good decision when it comes to your own housing because Mm -hmm. it is such a large portion of your expenses. And the fact remains, if you are not financially ready to buy a house at 3% interest, then you probably won't be financially ready to buy a house at 5% interest. And the reverse is true, right? Like, you've got to get your financial house sorted in order. And while interest rates can have a huge effect on your mortgage payment, there's no reason to rush into buying one if that means that you won't have any emergency savings when you move in to buy the house. Or if panic and fear about rising interest rates, which you have no control over, Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh, unless you're the chairman of the Fed, chairwoman of the Fed previously, Unless you're the chair of the Federal Reserve, you have literally no control over interest rates. And so unless unless that's the case. Hello, if, Janet Yellen. Yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. What I will say about that is don't let things that are outside your control drive something, drive a decision that has a huge influence on your financial stability when you do have part of that decision under your control. Focus on what is within your control of, of, of influence. And part of that is getting your debt paid down so that not a huge portion of your income is going to debt service and your mortgage. Mm -hmm. Savings probably would be huge towards the house. Yes. Savings for a down payment. Savings so that when you move in, you're not totally flat, $0 broke, and then the washing machine and the heat goes out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really, really helps if you have some buffer after you pay closing costs and down payment. Because based on my experience, there's this sort of weird, unmutable law that when you move into a house with no emergency savings, that's when everything breaks. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, it's it's like somehow the universe like is like, oh yeah, I'm gonna prove you wrong. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so don't get don't let fear drive a six figure purchasing decision. I guess is what I am saying. And that doesn't mean that buying a house is a bad idea. But if your primary motivator is not from why you particularly want to own a house, you know, but instead coming from this sick fear and speculation place, mm-hmm. that's that's a bad place to make a six-figure debt decision. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. And I also just want to kind of talk about the numbers a little bit. So this episode, I'm going to kind of frame as the case against buying a house. And uh, in a later episode, we'll actually talk about the case for buying a house. But there's a lot of common misconceptions out there. And, you know, a lot of the folks that have written to me just really feel like they won't be an adult unless they've bought a house because we've been sold on this vision mm-hmm. that homeownership is part of the American dream. Yep, house, and, spouse, two and a half kids, yeah. dog. And that you're not, you know, you haven't adulted, hashtag adulted properly until you have house <laughs> keys to show off. 
And I just don't let the Insta bragging get to you because you're essentially what someone is celebrating is that they just got six figures in debt, which is... (laughs) And a house. Yeah, which is... It's awesome that they were able to buy a house, but we talked about competition and that one person's financial journey isn't someone else's. And frankly, making an adult decision based on your own budget and and having your own financial values and really thinking of it is more important than owning a piece of real estate. And a lot of people will tell you that the perfect time to buy a home is when you're 25 or you're 30 or you're 35 or right now because the market is so good and the interest rates are low. Um, But the most important thing you should know is the best time to buy a home is when you are personally ready. Absolutely nothing else matters. If you're not ready to buy a house, and if you're not interested in the responsibilities of owning and maintaining a home, if you you're then you shouldn't buy a house. If you buy a house not as a speculative investment or a social obligation because like your family or your friends told me you you should own, but instead you just buy it as a place to live and a long-term investment, it's more important to know if you can afford the home and that you actually want to live there more than anything else. So there's four key factors. And I'm talking not about real estate investing. I'm talking specifically about your primary residence. Right, buying so, a home to live in. Not home, a home to live to in. Flip down the road and Or or yeah. even like I'm not even necessarily talking about buying a duplex that you live in one half and someone oh, lives okay, in the other. Okay. Just because the numbers look different, right? Or if condos, you've got some cash yeah. flow coming in. Okay, a house. White picket fence. A house or a condo. Okay. Um but just <laughs> something you live in. But there's four key factors. One, you need to be able to comfortably afford the monthly payment, including expected increases in insurance and taxes. So a lot of people want to buy a mortgage, want to want to buy a house because they're like mortgages are stabilized and rent is out of control, especially in Portland where we don't really have rent stabilization, although mm-hmm. we have a couple things now. But the cost of owning a home does go up, right? right. <laughs> so it, it continues paint to go the up. Walls and and mop mop the paint water the walls. out of the basement when it floods. Every time the school board needs money, then you've got a property tax mm-hmm. increase voted on. Your insurance will go up year to year, and your maintenance costs. So just the cost to get someone to you know put in a a new heating system ten years ago is less than it costs now. Right. So things do increase. Okay, um, so here's a here's a sort of off topic question, but how strictly linked are rent prices to home prices? It really depends on the city. Hmm. And that's actually one of the things we're gonna talk about is that there's essentially a very short calculation that you can run, which is the home purchase price to the rent price. And that factor that you can come up with will kind of tell you if uh, a rent versus buy number. And oh, I see. it's not a, it's, you know, it's a mathematical way to give yourself some information, but not all of the information, right? right? Not perfect information. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. It's also important that you have enough emergency savings to cover unexpected expenses like appliances and roofs. Roofs are really expensive. You know, your basement flooding is really expensive. It's also important to know that you're planning to live in the area that you're purchasing in for at least three years and would be comfortable in the home for that amount of time. So getting a studio apartment because it's the only thing you can afford when you're planning on having like three kids in the next three years is not necessarily the best move, right? Right, because then you'd probably want to swap out. You might want to swap out unless you're super frugal and like fitting like 
five people in a studio apartment. Small kids. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're they're tiny in the beginning. And the reason this is, is not some sort of value judgment on like, you should only buy a house if you're going to stay there. It's just that the financial numbers don't really work out because acquiring a house is expensive. Setting up a new loan, you've got closing costs, you've got realtors fees, you've got inspections. Like there's a lot of upfront costs involved with setting up a mortgage. Usually three years is the bare minimum. It can go up to seven, at which you've kind of paid off those costs relative to the difference in rent and that really depends on the rent market and the opportunity Mm -hmm, cost but mm -hmm. um if you're planning on leaving six months later like you're not going to have paid off those closing costs (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) right which isn't to say like even if you pay them in cash it's just like you could have saved that money and spent on rent right that's the alternative there or even like if you move six months later you could have probably spent that money on a hotel every night and still (laughs) And, and that you're actually interested in owning a home. That's like the last and most important part. Like the work of fixing appliances or hiring someone to do it and planning for future repairs and maintenance and dealing with maybe the homeowners association. Like that kind of stuff that you pay your landlord to worry about is... Right. Suddenly you've got to worry about yeah, it. Yeah, you've got to worry about it. So that's one thing to think about. So one of the myths that I hear is that rent is throwing away money with no gains. Mm -hmm. I've heard people say that. Yeah, rent is throwing away money. It's sort of like an American phrase that we hear all the time. And that mortgages build equity. But I think the first thing you should understand is there's a ton of expenses involved with owning property that you pay every single month that are throwing away money just as much as rent. So you pay taxes, you pay insurance, you pay maintenance, and most of all, you pay interest. Mm -hmm. And they do not go towards building equity. So the first half of a 30-year mortgage, which is like the average mortgage length in the U.S., very little of your payment goes towards equity because they're what's called amortized, which is a super fancy word for saying that you pay all the interest up front. <laughs> oh, before you start paying down. Yeah, so there's a, there's a declining, you can um, look up an amortization chart, but essentially based on your interest rate and how long your mortgage is, there is a table for each month how much of your, your mortgage payment goes towards interest and principal. Principal is what builds equity. Mm-hmm. Interest doesn't, it just makes money for mm-hmm. the banks, which, you know, it's great. They gave you a bunch of money. They they get some money back. Yeah. Like, this is a efficient exchange. You agreed to these terms up front anyways. So. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, unless you have a Sharia-compliant mortgage, which does not charge interest, but those are rare. Another episode. <laughs> yeah, that's a different episode. So you're actually not building that much equity, especially during the first decade and a half of owning a house. So most of your mortgage payment actually gets thrown away, just the same as rent, on interest, taxes, and insurance, like 83% for the first couple years. So it's a huge portion is just thrown away, just the same as rent. And the other thing is like equity is not universally amazing, right? Like equity is great, but building equity can come at the expense of building other investments. Equity is non-liquid. So if you could spend less on rent um, or you could not be throwing away money on interest and insurance and things like that, Mm -hmm. then you could have liquid investments like stock market portfolios or your Roth IRA that you could pull your contributions out of. Right, which I'm sure would be easier to move than your house that you're living in. Yeah, your house is not liquid. You have to sell it in order to get that equity out or you have to borrow against it with a home equity line of credit, which is just a new form of debt. All of those require large transaction fees. So it costs about 6% to sell your house as far as closing costs and realtors fees and everything. So 6% of the house cost. <laughs> so that's really substantial. Um, I do not pay 6% every time I pull money out of my savings account, right? No. <laughs> I look forward to hearing from you. If you've bought a house, 
Do you feel great about the financial decision? Do you have confirmation bias? Do you love it? Was it one of the best decisions you ever made? Or did you buy a house you regret? Or are you somewhere in between? And you're just like, eh, it's just a thing. I pay it every month. (laughs) And if you're struggling with this decision, I'd love to hear your individual circumstances. And we'll try to work through the numbers on the show. That wraps our show for today. Our producer is Will Romy. Our intro music is by Aaron Parecki. And your host has been Lillian Kerbeck, your personal finance educator and host. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember to manage your money so that it doesn't manage you. 